0: Mr. Himmels, please, and turn to numbers 59. This is my father's world. Number 59.
1: Join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our Father, truly this is your world. And Lord, as we behold the beauty of it, and all the magnificence of the trees, the mountains, all of these things around us, which are gifts of thine, for our eye to behold, Lord, we stand in awe. But above everything else, in all thy creation, we stand in awe at Calvary, at what you did for each of us there, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we come in thanksgiving this morning for that event and for what it means to us today. For through him, the Lord leads, lives in us today. And through him, our Father, we have eternal rest with you. And now we come in the glory and the joy of this salvation experience to worship your name. So fill us with your love, we pray, and help us each one to find sweet peace and communion, one with the other and with thee. Bless us with your presence. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. We do want to welcome those who visit with us this morning in the name of our Lord. It is always a blessing to have you to come and to share in the joyful experience of worship. Our men here at the front have some cards. I'm going to ask them to stand first of all. And then if you are a visitor with us, would you raise your hand real nice and high so they can see you and give you one of our visitor's cards. We ask you to take it, fill it out, and drop it in the offering plate just a little later in the service. This way we have a record of your visit. Also, we'd like to share with you a word of appreciation, thanksgiving for being with us. And let me say too, we trust that this hour will be a blessing to you as you are a blessing to us by your presence. God bless you. And we trust that we're going to see you again in the near future. And now we have uh, Brother Mac McCarley coming with our Sunday school report. And got a smile on his face, so it's got to be better than
2: last Sunday. We continually to rejoice in the goodness of God as we share in the study of His Word. Total attendance today, 896. Always delighted to have those of you who visit with us, 26 fine visitors today, and one new member. A special welcome to you. We recognize especially two of our departments this morning. Our adult two department came over with a great big smile on their face this morning and says, we've had the highest attendance today of any Sunday this year exceeded their previous attendance by one, and we're looking forward to great things as they have their eye on the goal of 100 in that department. The adult three department has already reached a goal that they set for themselves some time ago, a goal for April the 14th. Some two or three weeks, uh, more than that, several weeks ago, each department set for themselves a goal that they would attempt to have a regular attendance of by April the 14th, which is the Sunday preceding the beginning of our revival. It's delightful that, to know that adult three has already reached that goal, and many are pushing right up there at it. So continue to pray and continue to invite those of our community to study God's Word with us. Right.
1: Two or three announcements we'd like to share with you this morning. First of all, we invite and we urge you all to come tonight to the ordination service at seven o'clock. Brother Doug Miller, one of our members, will be ordained to the gospel ministry at that time, and we want to invite all of you to come and share in this delightful experience and blessing. Then on Tuesday at 10.30, our WMU has their monthly meeting, and our speaker, uh, mission speaker for the day will be Brother W.T. Robertson, who is missionary to Vietnam. I have a personal knowledge of Brother Robertson because the uh, church I served in Shelby, North Carolina, back in my college days, uh, Brother Bill was pastor there and left... Uh, the church while I was there to go into foreign mission work and uh, has been in the uh, area of Vietnam all these years. And we know that he will really bless our hearts as he comes and shares with us of the work there. Then let me urge all of you to take uh, advantage of a great blessing that's coming your way on this coming Thursday night. Beginning at 7 o'clock there is to be our annual evangelism conference at the Central Baptist Church in Hickson. Uh, We have two outstanding personalities that are going to be with us. First of all, Robert Bradley, the singer from uh, Nashville, has a tremendous rich voice, one that will bless your heart as he sings from the gospel, and he's going to give a 30-minute concert beginning at 7 o'clock, so don't be late. And then the speaker uh, of the hour, Dr. Wayne DeHoney, and I know you've heard him many times, uh, not only as the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, but also uh, at times on uh, radio and television and perhaps in the church itself. So let me urge you to take advantage of this wonderful opportunity of spiritual blessing on Thursday night. Then another brief announcement, uh, we're making tapes of the messages on our, of our Sunday services, and several have mentioned to me an interest in them. We're going to try to make duplicates of these tapes, and you'll be hearing more about it, but in the days to come, you'll find an envelope there in the pew uh, for you to write your name and to put a dollar in it, and uh, we will have for you a tape Uh, with the message on it. If you would like to have a special one, all you have to do is drop in the offering plate or leave it with one of the ushers or myself, and we'll have the tape ready and available for you then the following week. We did hear this week of the death of the mother of one of our members, Mrs. Wilma Henniger's mother, passed away, Mrs. Norwood, uh, out in Athens, Texas. And uh, we want to be remembering Wilma and the family in this time of their need and the home going of her mother. So be praying for the Henniger family today. Thank you. May we stand together as we begin our
3: morning worship. Our heavenly father thou art almighty so many times in our lives we live as though thou art not as though indeed we could make all the decisions and we could make all our own plans lord we gather in this your house today where so many have found joy and happiness and salvation where so many have found out of the obedient and the surrendered heart the joy of knowing Christ, the joy of discovering your will, we come into this place hallowed and holy to us, seeking that once again your Holy Spirit would deal with our lives, and that once again you would help us to know of your Power and to know of your love. We rejoice in the opportunity to gather as free people. We thank you for the Bible, this word that you have given to us. And Father, we pray that the truths that you want us to know would be given to us through your Holy Spirit. And now make this to be a profitable hour for the kingdom. A happy and holy hour in our lives, and we pray, Father, that those who are outside the kingdom might in this hour come to know how much Jesus loves them, and that he died for them, and that he will redeem them for time and eternity. May this be the most glorious moment that some have ever known this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
4: I am not worthy the least of his favor. Jesus left heaven for me. The Word became flesh, and he died as my Savior, forsaken on dark Calvary. I am not worthy.
0: of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. Hymn number three, wonderful hymn of praise. of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. One, four, three.
3: Last Wednesday evening, our congregation in the call business meeting adopted a new fiscal program for our 1974-75 budget year, $448,816. This represents an increase of something like 8.8 over the budget of our current fiscal year. I trust that you uh, looked at your giving in the light of an experiment that I ask you to share with me in this month of February. February, the last month of our current fiscal year, uh, promises to be the finest month in stewardship in the history of our church. And it can be that if each one of us would for the four Sundays in the month of February increase whatever we have normally been giving by 9%. As for every dollar that you normally give, just give nine more cents. And if every one of us will do this for the month of February, and then make that the basis of our beginning of a brand new fiscal year on March the 1st, We can honor the Lord in a great and a wonderful way in the matters of stewardship. It's just possible that some of you uh, read that suggestion in my column in the commission of this past week. You had fully intended to do so, but in hurrying around this morning and in writing the checks and getting the envelopes, you just forgot about it. Well, it's never too late. You know, we're here and uh, services tonight and uh, you can add those other nine cents. This is the first Sunday in February and on the last Sunday in February, we have opportunity as a church family to share with each other that which we will do, that which we would intend to do for the Lord and the power that the Lord gives us financially for the new fiscal year. And so we'll be thinking and talking and planning toward that hour when on the last Lord's Day of this month, together we will oversubscribe the budget that we have adopted as our financial framework. It is absolutely no secret within our church or in our city or in the state of Tennessee where Brainerd Baptist Church and its work is known, it is no secret that the power of our people is expressed because so many of our people have accepted God's invitation to become tithers. Tithing is a personal privilege that God gives us. This morning, Dr. James Henry, Brother Jim, will you come please? Will come and share with us his own experience in tithing. Dr. Henry is a deacon, Sunday school teacher, superintendent of our city schools, a man who stands very, very tall for the Lord Jesus Christ in our city. And he comes now to share with us his personal experience in this matter
5: of tithing. Dr. Jim. Thank you very much. I welcome the opportunity uh, to tell of my tithing experience. You know, it's something like... uh, the saying is that the, the most miserable of sinners, once he is converted, sometimes makes the best witness. I am ashamed of my record as a tither for many years. I sat back there in the corner and heard all the sermons, listened to all the reasons for why I should tithe, and, and I would get overcome and rush home and get ready to fill out the check, and then I'd think of all those bills that I had to meet the first of the month, and I thought of all these things, and the devil would get a hold of me, and I'd rationalize, and, and I'd talk to my lovely wife, and I'd say, Nancy, there's just no way they put me in jail if I set that much aside. And what I'm saying is I simply did not have the faith. And I want to confess to you that I missed so many blessings, and I haven't been a tire there for many years, but since trying this, and I'll tell you what made the difference. One day, back in the foyer there, I was talking to the shortest deacon that we have, and he made it very clear to me the blessings that I was missing. And, and he told me that if you trust your life to Jesus Christ for eternity, what are you worrying about a few miserable dollars why don't you get on the bandwagon and find out all the wonderful joys that you can get from this? So, like the man said, try it. You'll like it. I tried it. My wife and I rather, I'll say you, try it. And not saying that to tempt the Lord or something like that, not saying that this will always happen, but for me it did happen. Things began to happen. Jobs opened up. Opportunities here and there. Things started to happen. Money ceased to be too much of a problem. It's a danger for a man to get up here and say this. You're tempting the Lord, and for a person who works for a school board that's four black and three white, and you do not have tenure, I may be out of a job tomorrow. But <laughs> there is a difference in priority, and I must confess, too, it goes back to this, that deep down inside I probably did not want to, and I've got to face that. And i confess it but once having taken that step the wonderful joys has taken place it doesn't mean that you're not going to give more over and above that ties because you want to but seemingly and it i'm not saying that i'm out of debt either i still have a lot of debt i still try to keep up with the joneses and then when i catch up with the joneses i find out they've refinanced and bought another car But what I'm saying, the joy is there, the opportunity is there, and as I've heard so many times in this church, you cannot outgive God. The opportunities will occur. It will be a blessing to you. And if I have anything to say is to you, you young people, don't wait to start. Cut yourself loose. God will provide. You don't really have to worry about it. Just line up your priorities. Line up your priorities. Put him number one. He doesn't need it you need to give. it's to your advantage. The glory, the blessings will be accrued to you. And I thank God for the opportunity.
3: Come on, Harry, we're gonna sing, we're
5: gonna take an offering after that.
3: <laughs> we knew right where to put the offering in. Thank you, Dr. Jim. Uh, it just may be some of you have You've never tithed. You've just been talked out of it by the devil year after year. Well, start it today. Let's sing two verses of the invitation hymn. You may wanna give something more other than what you've already given in Sunday school this morning. Make your plans right now. Did
0: you mean invitation hymn or offering
3: hymn? Offering hymn, well. (laughs) The offering hymn's also an invitation hymn, many ways. All right, what are we gonna say? 399. 399, we'll stand, our brethren will to receive our morning tithes and offerings. All right.
0: We thankful to thee, our Father, for this rich gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation that we have experienced through him. We thank thee for the blessings of life that thou hast given to each one of us. And now for the opportunity that is ours to bring unto thee our tithes and offerings. We do pray that thou will bless them. Bless each gift and giver is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: The message this morning is the christians privileges and responsibilities toward god and the text for the message is in the 12th chapter of the roman letter romans the 12th chapter verses one and two the first 11 verses chapters of the roman letter the apostle has dealt so very strongly, with the urgency of right doctrine, teaching, leading, admonishing, exhorting, the value of living within the circle and the framework of doctrine that is godly, that is sound. That is certain. And now, then, using that as the springboard and the basis for these statements that come, he translates for us the matter of doctrine becoming something very, very practical. For Christianity, is a very practical matter. Let's listen to the Apostle Paul as the Holy Spirit inspired him with the wisdom of God for us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The apostle begins this section of his instruction to us as a beggar. I beseech you. With the direct revelation that Paul had received from God, the divine insights that were given to him the basis of that inspiration where he was declaring the mind of god to us he had every right and he had every authority to say in the name of god i command you to do these things he could have said that he could have said There's no way out of it. Remember now that the letter is addressed to Christians. The exhortation is not delivered to those who are not Christian, but to those who are Christian. The exhortation is presented to those who are in Christ Jesus by personal faith, on the basis of a personal act of surrender to the resurrected Christ. And so, on the basis of what he has been telling them in the first 11 chapters of the importance and the necessity for right thinking and right doctrine, the right relationship as it exists to Jesus Christ, he then comes to this momentous exclamation and he said, on the basis of all that I've been saying, I beg you, please, I beseech you, please, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies to God. Christianity is the very most practical of all religious faiths there are those who get involved in the academics of the doctrines and who might lose out in all practical touch with the realities of life Christianity because Christianity is Christ ...is the most practical of matters. What could be more practical... ...than cleansing... ...than washing... ...than bathing? What could be more practical... ...more down-to-earth, more earthy... ...than being clean? In the spiritual realm... The soul knows the reality and the joy of being clean as it comes under the cascade of the blood of Jesus, God, who loved us so much that he left the glories of heaven to come to this earth born of the virgin womb, live a sinless, perfect life for 33 years, there to die crucified upon a cross blood coming from the crown of thorns upon his brow from the pierced hands and feet and where the sword the spear went into the side is the blood of jesus gushed forth from the crucifixion of the cross so that my soul and yours might be washed clean and made presentable the purity of God. What more practical matter could there be? This business. As so many say, "I'm not going to get involved in the things of religion. It's just pie in the sky, by and by. It's just uh, all the other world. It's just you living in a different plane." How wrong that thinking is. For you see, to live in Christ and to let Christ live in us is the most practical of matters. It's as practical as Christ being with us when we eat our breakfast at the table. It's as practical as Christ being with us in the car when we drive. It's as practical as the presence of Christ making his reality, his presence known in the hospital room. It's the practicality, the knowledge that the blood of Jesus has washed all our sins away. And Paul's saying on the basis of all the doctrine, on the basis of all the beliefs, on the basis of the culmination of everything that God has been doing through the ages, he said on the basis of that, brethren, don't overlook you see who it's addressed to brethren are you a Christian somewhere in your life you've let Christ into your heart and life you've let his blood wash your sins away somewhere back in that marvelous experience of conversion of being born again you're now part of the family of God all right Paul addresses you as a brother Paul addresses you as a sister The biggest damnable lie of the devil in the realm of religion is this business of the fatherhood of god and the brotherhood of man simply because we're flesh and blood and human beings the heavenly father becomes our father when we accept the gift of salvation that he has for us and the gift of cleansing and the mantle of righteousness which is his son And until an individual does that God is not his father and to make it even clearer and plainer than that Jesus speaking to the religious leaders of his own day said to them you are of your father the devil all men are not brothers we become brethren in the Lord Jesus Christ and the glory of that is once we are in christ with whatever man red or yellow black or white all are precious in his sight we be brothers and nothing can change that glorious fact there's something marvelous about meeting a fellow christian somewhere else in the world immediately there is a bond a fellowship a camaraderie why because the christian American and the Christian African or the Christian European or the Christian Asiatic in the grasp of hands knowing that we both be Christian. The blood of Jesus is in both our lives. We be brethren. And so Paul was saying, Paul says to me right here, Paul says to you right here, I beg you, please, I beseech you, because of all these things I've been saying to you, my brothers, my sisters in Christ, by the mercies of God. Now, what direction does that point? By the mercies of God. Have you received any of the mercies of God? Have you? Has God been good to you? Is your personal life Are your home been the beneficiary of God's goodness, of God's blessings, of God's mercies? Well, of course. God has blessed us in so many ways that we're not even aware of, that we just take for granted as though it were something sort of normal and natural like breathing. The blessings of God. Oh, we could spend years just discussing the blessings of God the way that God created this world, the way that he established the order of this universe, the sun in its place, the moon in its place, the stars in their place, the earth as it makes its movement, located in just exactly the right place where life as he wanted life to exist could exist. If the planet earth had been so placed by the hand of God, just a Almost a matter of feet, matter of number of yards, surely in the matter of of a mile or so closer to the sun, then nothing could live. It would be burned up. If it would be a matter of feet or yards or a mile further away from the sun than it is, then nothing could live. It would be one gigantic ice glacier. The very miracle of where the earth itself is placed in relation to the sun. And yet so many people would ignore God and say, God does not exist, this is not a blessing from God. Seek to explain everything on the basis of some just natural, physical kind of a phenomena. What rot. We're able to breathe because of the way God designed things. This is a mercy of God. Yesterday, little Candy got a little metal ruler, little uh, tiny ruler that sort of rolls up, it's a funny little outfit and had sharp edge on it. She was, and it cut her right here. Not bad, just a little tiny skin cut. You know how miserable that sort of little thing can be a little bit of pain there and uh, she began to notice it and it was hurt a little bit and began to swell up a little bit why was it swelling up Well, i'm not getting in the realm of medicine but i had an opportunity to i hope explain something to her in that moment that it was beginning to swell up just a little bit because the white corpuscles of the blood the disease fighter that god built into our bodies. You see, it was beginning to accumulate and beginning to work there so it could begin to attack whatever infection might be at that little tiny point of cut. Now there they'll say, what foolishness? That's just natural phenomena. No, it's not. It's by the mercies of God. We have the white corpuscles that we have, that we are marvelously and wonderfully built so that in in the natural phenomenons of life, the mercies of God come to play for us in our behalf. The hymn that we sang as we were receiving the offering My life I gave for thee, my precious blood I spilled. All the things that God has done for us because of his mercy. The things that he constantly and continually does. For there is none of us in the most miserable of circumstances in which you might find yourself this morning. Maybe there's family conflict. Maybe there's financial trouble. Maybe your health is bad. Maybe there's a great sorrow weighing down on your soul. Whatever you happen to find yourself whatever kind of maze of life you happen to find yourself at the moment you still can live and hold your head high being in God and in Christ Jesus for you can find a way out of the maze of your difficulties by the mercies of God what a wonderful thing and Paul is saying here just stop long enough just stop long enough And think on the mercies of God I beg you to do this Paul says I beg you to do it I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service now you see Paul along with all of the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit of God within him that made him the dynamic preacher and teacher and writer that he was, Paul was also a very brilliant, educated somebody. When the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Lord Jesus, appeared to Saul as he was heading toward Damascus and all of the brilliance and the beauty of the resurrected Christ, when this giant was converted when he was born again when he was saved on the road to damascus he was able to bring over to the service of the master a trained mind an intellect sharp and keen A brain that had been schooled in all of the Old Testament laws. He was a keen somebody. And so, what he was asking his Roman brothers and sisters in Christ to do, because Christ was in their heart as in his heart, he was simply sharing with them his personal testimony as to what the Lord Jesus had done for him and of the joy that had filled his soul. And that, you see, he wanted that same kind of joy to fill the soul of the Roman brethren. It's always good to hear personal testimony. Thank you, Dr. Jim, for what you said this morning. It's like a man that really accomplishes something. I think it was Hambone who says, if you've done it, it ain't bragging. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a body that's holy, a body that is acceptable unto God. And he says, this is just reasonable. This is a reasonable kind of a service. The Apostle Paul was going back and drawing on the ancient Jewish rituals of the sacrifice in both the time of the tabernacle and later in the time of the temple at Jerusalem. The manner of sacrifice for the ritual was very clearly prescribed. The animal that would be sacrificed must be of a certain type or of a certain age and without spot and without blemish. It was to be brought to a certain place to a certain spot where there those who had received the instruction and the authority of god would take the animal and would examine that animal and then it would be slaughtered it would be sacrificed and depending upon the purpose of the sacrifice or the particular time or festival or season maybe the entire animal would be consumed Maybe it would be burned upon the altar. Maybe only a part of it would be burned. Another part of it disposed of in another way. Or depending upon again the season or the time, another portion of it would be set aside for the priest. But it was to be an animal that in being given, the giver would not be ashamed of. An animal without spot, an animal without blemish, an animal that had the appearance of being right, and more than just the appearance of being right, upon examination was right. I'm sure it would have been the grossest form of hypocrisy, and I'm sure that there must have been those who had a an animal that just wouldn't bring quite as much at the market, an animal that just really wasn't quite up to snuff. And so I'm sure that there, because human nature doesn't change, you see, very much from century to century, I'm, I'm sure that here was the man who said, well, now it's time for us to, to make our offering unto the Lord and to, to bring the sacrifice. But I sure do hate to give that good one, that best one. Maybe, maybe there'll be so many folks coming in and bringing their, their animals for sacrifice. Maybe the priest won't notice. i tell you what, you, you give that one that's, you know, broke his leg and he doesn't hobble too much. Maybe, maybe they won't notice. Give him the one that's, give the priest the one that's not quite perfect. Oh, I'm sure there were many who tried to do that. Just like today, there are those who are content to try to give to the Lord, to try to live for the Lord with lives that are less than right, less than clean, less than pure, and less than holy. We are to present our bodies under the Lord Jesus. You see, this is a privilege. This is the joy of service. Belonging to the army of the kingdom of God, you see, we, we come as volunteers. God doesn't conscript any folks. It's all volunteer. It must be a freewill offering. And the spirituality of the gift of the body is in direct relationship to the spirituality of our souls. And when Christ comes and makes a difference in our souls, so also he will make a difference in our bodies if we let him. In that marvelous passage, we are instructed that these bodies are indeed the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. How old were you when you became a Christian? Were you eight? You ten? Fifteen? 25, 40, how old were you? Whatever your age, your physical age, in the moment that you became a Christian, in the moment you were born again, in that moment, that glorious moment, when the angels wrote your name on the Lamb's book of life in heaven because you you asked God to forgive your sins and you opened your heart and received Jesus as best you knew how, in that marvelous and glorious moment the holy spirit of god took up residence inside your body your body has been a temple of god all these years i don't think there's a one of us that would not be greatly appalled if in coming into this beautiful room this morning for worship had found that vandals had come before us and had dumped garbage and debris and filth all over the pews and the carpet and had turned the furniture over and had desecrated the pulpit and had ruined the organ. That filth we would be appalled at such a thing happening within a house of God. I think most of us would be appalled if we were to go for a couple of years without ever once straightening up or cleaning up or dusting or running the vacuum in this room. To go a couple of years without once ever tidying up without cleaning up. My, what a mess, in a matter of just a few weeks. And most who are sensitive to such things would be appalled that we would not keep tidy and clean the house of the Lord. Our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit of God. God has come to live in your body. And Paul is making a most reasonable kind of a plea and also giving to us an eye-opening experience of the privilege and the joy that is ours as he begs us by the mercies of God that we present our bodies, the temples of God, as a living sacrifice. We do not need to give our bodies to die to atone for our own sins, it cannot be done. You cannot die for me, and I cannot die for you to effect the eternal salvation of your souls. But once and for all, forever and complete, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from before the foundation of the world, crucified on Calvary's cross, has once and for all and forever paid the sin debt. And that one sacrifice on his part is sufficient in the sight of God for the satisfaction of the sin debt of every one of us. So you see, we are not to present our bodies, we're not to cut and mutilate our bodies for the purpose of trying to buy salvation from God. That cannot be done. But we who are brethren, we who are brothers and sisters with Christ, we who do know his cleansing by his blood then we have the privilege and the opportunity and the joy to present our bodies not as a sacrifice of dying but to present our bodies as a sacrifice for living to live come alive to be alive under god to be alive under jesus and so to live among our fellows that there is no mistaking, but that we are indeed alive. This is the glory of it. Holy, we are made holy in Christ. Then let's give him that which he has given unto us, the holiness of our bodies. And this is acceptable. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Over and over again, God in his word asks us to prove him. Over and over in his word, God says to him, put me to the line. See if I don't keep my word. Over and over again, God says to the lost man, try me. And you'll find I'll bring peace to your soul through the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again, he says to those of us who are Christians, prove me, try me. In Malachi, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. Bring the tithe into the storehouse and see if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much so that there'll not be room enough to receive it. God says, prove him. He wants you to prove him. This is it. As we present our bodies, as we ask for the renewal of our minds, as we seek by the power of the Holy Spirit of God not to conform to the image of the world or to our peer group and the things that would keep us little and puny and mediocre. It is the desire of our lives be to present our bodies without shame, with heads high, to present our bodies, to present our minds to the service of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be a witness, to be an instrument, to be a tool, presenting our bodies to him Letting the world know we are on God's side, that we are in Christ and He is in us. Then, by that constant renewing of the mind, the old man is put away and the new man comes forth, and we grow to be more like Jesus. And the more we get to be like Jesus, the sweeter our fellowship with the Heavenly Father, and the sweeter our fellowship with our brethren. Begin the walk. Start the Christian adventure. Prove God. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. God's integrity is on the line. Accept his challenge. Believe in him. The confession of your sins. Christian, present your bodies a living sacrifice. I want us to sing a different hymn of invitation. The hymn that I want us to sing is 357. Take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of thy love, at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for my king. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold, Take my moments and my days. Let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my will, make it thine. It shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. It shall be thy royal throne 357 let's sing it and let's mean it and let's act on it as we stand and sing together